We are starting 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start reading from verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So in verse 1 he says, but false prophets also arose among the people. He is making reference to the Jewish people and the false prophets that had arisen among them. Uh, We see that throughout the Old Testament, that there were prophets and there were false prophets. And Jesus made reference to the false prophets as well. He said that there were false prophets. And and so we, we we see substantiation of this even in the teachings of Jesus. And he says that, that uh, uh, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. So he is speaking in the future. Remember, Peter is about, his life is about to end. And he is about to, uh, 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 this, is, this is near the end, and he even said that up in chapter 1, that he said that, that uh, um, in verse 14, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. He knew that his time was drawing near. He was in a, about one, less than two years to his death. And, and he sensed that, he sensed that that was coming. And he knew that when he departed, false teachers were going to arise in the future tense. They were going to arise. Same thing happened to Paul when Paul was imprisoned, he spoke about these false teachers that were arising. He talks about this in the, in the book of Philippians, that, that uh, when he went to, because he was thrown into prison, false teachers were arising to fill his place. And Peter says the same thing. And this is how we know that Second Peter, this epistle of Second Peter, was written before the, the epistle of Jude, which we will study next, which is the fifth of the Messianic Jewish epistles. Because in the book, in the, in the epistle of Jude, Jude makes reference to the, false pro, to the false teachers that have appeared. Just as Peter said would happen, they've happened by the time we get to Jude. But here he's speaking in the future. He says false teachers are going to arise. And he makes the reference to false prophets, just as there were false prophets, prophets in Israel. And what I want to do is I want to look a little bit at some of the, at, at just one occasion where there were false prophets, active false prophets in the Old Testament, to see what is the relation to today, and see what these men, these prophets, went through, and the relation to to how that that might relate to what we go through today. Uh, and so, if you would look in in First uh, Kings, the book of First Kings, chapter twenty-two. 1 Kings chapter 22, and while you're turning there, uh, let me just paint the picture for you. There is a king over Israel, which is the northern kingdom, and that is King Ahab. So with the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, they're under King Ahab. There were two tribes in the southern kingdom, uh, uh, Judah and Benjamin, and they were under the King Jehoshaphat. 
Jehoshaphat was a good, godly man. Ahab was just the opposite. He was a not good and, and ungodly man. And um, uh, Jehoshaphat was, was a good king, but he was not a strong personality. He was not as strong in, in, in his personality, and he was easily, easily drawn astray. Well, he went to visit King Ahab, and King Ahab says, did you know that, that Aram, who is the king of, of the uh, Aramites, they, 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 in this town, uh, Ramoth Gilead, in this area called Ramoth Gilead, he said, you know, that land really belongs to us. So Ahab said, hey, there is a territory that really belongs to us. King Aram has taken it. We ought to join together to take it back. And Jehoshaphat says, okay, I'll join with you. My troops are with you. And he never, never should have joined along with him. Uh, uh, but like I said, Jehoshaphat was sort of a weaker personality, although he was a godly man. So what happens is they're thinking about going to war, combining the forces between the southern kingdom of Israel and the northern kingdom of Israel, combining together to go against King Aram. So that paints the picture and Jehoshaphat says, uh, um, let's inquire of the Lord to make sure that this is really right. Remember, he's a godly man. He wants to inquire of the Lord. So he says to King, to King Ahab, pull your prophets together and let's see what the Lord says. So um, verse 5 of 2 Kings chapter 22, let's start reading there. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together about 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So there were 400, turns out we we're going to see there were 400 prophets, false prophets, in the northern kingdom saying, Yes, go up. You know, the Lord is with you. Go, go into that battle. And Jehoshaphat, being a godly man, instantly detects that these men who are saying this are false prophets. You say, well, how can he instantly detect it? Let me give you an analogy. If, if somebody is reading something, say, say, say you hear somebody in a cult reading some document, people who do not know the Bible well, they'll think, well, okay, he must be reading the Bible. I would immediately detect that. Within 10 seconds, I could tell whether that guy is reading from the Bible or not. Within 10 seconds, really. And within the next 10 seconds, I'm on my way out of there. I want to have nothing to do with it. Whereas the uninitiated would stay there and listen and not know the difference. If you are walking with God, you can tell the difference between between someone who is, is, is a false prophet and somebody who is not. And Jehoshaphat picks it up immediately because he's, from, he's a much more godly man than Ahab. Ahab is, is terribly ungodly. And he says, look, isn't there somebody here who can give us the message from the Lord? And so, uh, um, verse, verse 6, then the king of... Uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, let, let's pick it up at, from verse 8. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. His name is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. He says, oh yeah, there is one guy, but I hate him 
because he never prophesies anything good about me. And you think that this is kind of weird. That, that, do, you, do you want an accurate word or don't you? Do you want an accurate word or don't you? And, and he says, well, I actually don't want an accurate word because this guy speaks, never speaks well of me. Did you know believers do this all the time? Believers do this all the time. So if you look in, in 2 Timothy, we're going to go back to, to King, 1 Kings 22, so keep your finger there. But, but uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So Paul is warning Timothy, hey, there is going to come a time when people don't want to hear sound doctrine. They just want to have their ears tickled. And he says they're going to accumulate around themselves these teachers who are going to tell them exactly what they want to hear. And they're going to turn aside from the truth to a bunch of myths. This happens in the church. Paul warned about it. Believers do the same thing. We don't want to hear the word of God. So I'll, I'll give you an example where, where it happens to me quite often, actually. Is that, is that uh, uh, there's a young lady... There may be a young lady, and she's involved with the class, and she becomes wonderful, and she's very dear to us. But she starts getting up in age, which means into the late 20s, and she starts wondering, am I ever going to find a man to marry? It's typical. That thought hits everybody. And, and uh, am I, am I going to find somebody that I can marry? So she will find an unbeliever who's a nice guy, and... and uh, um, and I'll give you an example. And so, so she wanted, she called up Shireen, this young lady called up Shireen, and she said, she said, I met this guy, I want, want you and Dr. Tour to, 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 meet, to meet him. And Shireen said to her, well, is, is he a believer? Because if he's not a believer, Dr. Tour is going to challenge him on this. And, and uh, well, we never met him because she left. Because she left, because her relationship with this young man was more important to her, and she didn't want him challenged in his faith. Because we are, we are instructed to, to not align ourselves with unbelievers. So she wanted this guy more than she wanted the teachings of the Word of God. And look, I, it's not like I'm dying to challenge people in their faith. I'm not. It's like, oh, well. And, and I just ask a few simple questions. You know, it's not like... No, I don't, I don't do that. I just ask a few simple questions. Tell me how you came to the Lord. Tell me, do you read your Bible every day? Tell, tell me what, you, what your daily time is like. And immediately, when somebody doesn't know the Lord, everything comes crashing down. It becomes immediately obvious. And, and I'm nice about it. I, I, I'm really not. I'm smiling as I'm asking these questions. And then, then, I, then I would tell the young lady, he doesn't know the Lord. And there's many young ladies that I have saved this way by telling them that this person really doesn't know the Lord. And so, so uh, uh, believers have a tendency to do exactly the same thing, where we will surround ourselves by people who tell us what we want to hear. It sounds really strange that Ahab would say, well, yeah, there is one guy, but he never prophesies good about me. We do the same thing. I'm telling you, we have a tendency to do exactly the same thing, to surround ourselves with Christian teaching. Uh, 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 with teachings that, that, that may tickle our ears. 
where people don't challenge us. And and this is why sometimes people don't want to read the Bible because the Bible is constantly in our face. It challenges us to do better, challenges us to walk like Christ. So he says, uh, his name is Micah, son of Imlab. Uh, But Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Verse 9 in 1 Kings 22. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imlab. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. So they are at the gate of Samaria, which is the lead city for the northern kingdom. And they're sitting at the gate and there's these these prophets all around them. Verse 11, Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you will gore the Arameans until they are consumed. All the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. All right, so all the false prophets are prophesying. Verse 13, Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I shall speak. So, they send the messenger, he says, Look, the king's asking you to come and prophesy. All the other prophets are saying, Go to battle Speak favorably. Just agree with them, okay? Just agree with them. Micaiah says, whatever the Lord tells me, that I'm going to speak. Verse 15. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and succeed, and the Lord will give it into your hand. And then the king said to him, how many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? All right, so... Micaiah comes and he says, Micaiah, should I go up to battle against the Arameans and, and, uh, in, in Ramoth Gilead? He, he says to him, yeah, sure, go ahead. The Lord's with you. Just have at it. He must have said it so sarcastically that the king went ballistic and said, look, I told you just to tell me the truth. It, he had to have said it really sarcastically. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go do it. That's the right thing. Yeah, go ahead and marry that guy. Perfect, perfect, I mean, match made in heaven. Perfect. You know, no problem. You guys will never argue about anything. It's just perfect. You'll have perfect children, perfect marriage. Textbook perfect. He must have been speaking sarcastically because the king, you know, really went at him. He says, I told you to tell me the truth. So he says in verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And they said, who will entice And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said this, while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, how? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, you are to entice him and also go and also prevail. Go and do so. 
Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these, your prophets, and the Lord has proclaimed disaster concerning you. So Micaiah says, look, these people are going to be like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, uh, The Lord wants you destroyed, Ahab. The Lord wants you destroyed. And he has planned a way to have you destroyed. And, and, uh, uh, there, and this deceiving spirit has been set loose to put this false word into the word of all of your prophets. And you say, well, why would God do something like that? It's just the way God is. When he wants somebody destroyed, and when you read about the life of Ahab, and he was a wicked man, and his wife was a wicked woman. And, uh, um, and, and, and so... so uh, um, this is, this is what was going on here. This is how it was going to transpire. This is exactly how it was going to be. And God set all the wheels in motion because he is master over everything. And, and uh, the Lord did it by allowing this spirit to put a deceiving spirit in the, in the mouth of all of these prophets. Verse 24. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenena, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said to him, How did the spirit of the Lord pass from me to speak to you. Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on the day when you enter an inner room room to hide yourself. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this man in prison and feed him sparingly with bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah said, If indeed you return safely, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Listen, all you people. Okay, so they throw Micaiah in prison, speeding him, feeding him sparingly, and Ahab said, don't let him out until I return safely. And Micaiah's like, you're not coming back. You're not coming back. And then you can read about this. Micaiah uh, goes into battle. He disguises himself. He says to Jehoshaphat, you stay dressed as a king. I'll disguise myself. He disguised himself so he wouldn't look like the king because the king of Aram had said, just focus right in on killing King Ahab. Just focus in on killing him. He instructed his troops. And so, so uh, they get in the battle and they see King Jehoshaphat thinking that's King Ahab and they start chasing him. They start going after him so he's riding away in his chariot and then they see that's not King Ahab and so they give up and it says an archer at random just shot an arrow and it went in, in between the armor in Ahab. And, 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 uh, and he was, he was uh, hit, and he died that same day. He bled to death in his chariot, and his blood was licked up by the dogs. I mean, it was, it's really, really a stunning story. Uh, and uh, God doesn't pull any punches. But you see what happened to Micaiah. It was a rough life being the voice that is going to speak for God. It was a rough life. There was no peace in this. Micaiah spoke for God. This false prophet, Zedekiah, comes up and he came near and he struck Micaiah on the cheek. He said, how did the Spirit of God go from me to you? How how are you saying this? And then he gets thrown into prison and thrown into the jail and we we have no idea if he ever gets out. It's a difficult life. So as we turn back to to uh, to First Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Second Peter. He says, "Just as there were false prophets among the people, there will also be teachers among you. Uh, uh, there will uh, um, among the people. Just 
as there will also be false teachers among you. So he says there's going to be false teachers. I am telling you, if you are going to teach the word of God accurately, if you're going to take a stand in faith, if you're going to take a stand for the Lord, people will come against you. He makes the relation to false prophets coming against, coming against the, the, uh, uh, um, the true prophets. It was a difficult life for them. And Jesus warned us about this multiple times. If you turn to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. If you, if you look in the same chapter, just look down at verse 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. So he says, he warns us about this. He says, he said, you are blessed when men hate you. They're going to ostracize you. They will insult you and they will scorn your name as evil. This will come. And you say, don't worry, I, I will be at peace with all men. Not if you continue to speak the word of God. You will have seasons of peace and you will have seasons of not peace. There will be seasons of peace and there will be seasons where, where, you, will have not, where you will not have peace. And people will ostracize you. They will shun you. They will insult you. They will scorn your name as evil. Some people will hate you, it says. Jesus said this. So either, either you're outside the will of God or this will happen. These things will happen. Jesus said this. And he says, I want you in that day, be glad in that day. So in the very day that it comes against you, the very day that people come to get against you, here's what we are instructed to do. To leap for joy. Leap. Do you know how to leap? You're to leap. You're to leap for joy. That's what it says. You're to leap for joy. For behold, your reward in heaven is great. And I told you one day I was sitting at the kitchen table and I was reading this. And, uh, and I stood at the kitchen table and I started jumping up. And Shereen was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaping. I'm leaping. The Bible told me to leap. Because today they're coming against me and I'm leaping. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. We see it. We saw it in the life of Micaiah. They were treated, they were treated harshly. This is what will happen. And he goes on to say, he goes so far as to say, and woe to you. Woe means trouble is coming to you. You're in big trouble. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For the fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way in Luke 6.26. So Jesus warned us about this. And when you take a stand, when you take a stand, people will come against you. Now, Charles Spurgeon, it said that, that so at 19, at the age of 19, Charles Spurgeon takes on the pastorate of the largest church in London, the largest church in London. And, and his ministry just starts exploding, doing so well. And, and the newspapers in London called him a religious huckster with self-serving motives. They called him a nine days wonder. And, and, uh, um, and so they started making fun of him. These are the biggest newspapers. This would be like the New York Times writing about you at the age of 19. This is what they were doing. And what it says is, is, that, is that 
what would happen is all these young pastors started coming around him and supporting him as a result of the newspapers coming against him. And this is what I see. The more that people in the world come against me, the more that people say evil things of me, the more people come around me and start saying, hey, you know, I've been praying for you. I'm for you. You know, they're standing with me. And this is exactly what I see. That God takes particularly young people and starts bringing them around me to lift me up and to say, it's okay. It's okay. And, and, and as, as people are, are saying these things about me, I see that I get more support. He warns us about these things. These are the things that he warns us about in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. So they're secretly going to introduce destructive heresies. In fact, this is written, they will secretly introduce uh, heresies of destruction. Uh, um, so, so the Greek is written heresies of destruction, which is a Hebraism. Uh, so in Hebrew, you have this very term, uh, uh, heresies of destruction. That is exactly what Peter is making reference to here. Peter is thinking in Hebrew, but he's writing in Greek. And, and I see this with my own wife. She, she's, she'll be speaking English, but she's thinking in her language, Urdu, uh, because they put the verb at the end. Uh, 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 door shut. You mean shut the door? <laughs> is that what you want? Because they say... say Door bunkered, they put the verb at the end. So I know when she's thinking in her own language, uh, uh, but she's speaking in English. Peter here is, is thinking in Hebrew, but he's, he's writing in Greek. And uh, uh, the English translates it uh, 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 as uh, um, destructive heresies, but it's really written heresies of destruction, which is a typical Hebraism. And, uh, and then he goes, even denying the master even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon them. This, we're going to talk a little bit about this denying the master. Let me just say this week that, that master means complete ownership. Master means complete ownership. That he owns us, he controls us, he's the absolute ruler. This term master is a reference to an absolute ruler. Jesus is the absolute ruler. And to deny the master, to deny uh, uh, the master who bought them is to deny him and his work. Yet he is in total control over them. I want you to think about this. The people who come against you in your life are totally, totally under the control of the master. They're totally under control of the master. And this gives me great hope even those who oppose me, who oppose the message of the truth, they are totally under the control of the master. He is allowing them to come against me. Jesus is allowing them to come against us. He said, well, why would he do this? For our own sake. Because if our life is all trouble-free, we don't grow. What are you going to do if your son starts playing Little League Baseball and he's opposing, say there's an opposing pitcher who has this amazing fastball. Are you going to say, well, wait a minute, this is my son. You've got to pitch to him underhand because I don't want him to strike out. I want his life to be fun and happy. 
I don't want him to be all dejected because he struck out three times in this game. Pitch to him underhand. No. Throw it faster. Let him learn. This is what life is like. Life is hard. There are hard things you've got to go through. I'm glad you lost that game. I want you to teach that you lose certain games. You don't win them all. And you don't get a trophy if you don't win. This is what life is like. We want this for our children. Life is hard. God doesn't want to protect us from everything. I mean, there are things that he allows in our life. Those who oppose us, everybody, everybody is under the master. Even those that are denying him, he has absolute control over them. That can change entirely the way we will approach things in life. All of these situations that that seem against us, they're totally under the master's control. Totally under him. This word master means, means the complete ownership, complete control. He has complete ownership even over those who deny him and deny his work. Complete mastery over them. That's who Jesus is. And this is why Jesus said, um, Jesus spoke to them in, in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Everything is under Jesus. There is nothing in heaven and nothing on earth that is not under his command. He is master over everything. And what he does is he doesn't keep us from from suffering. He does not keep us from suffering. Jesus does not keep us from suffering in life. The same sorts of suffering that everybody goes through, we experience. Suffering where we have death of loved ones, where we have hardships in life. But what he does is he keeps us from the despair of suffering. We do not mourn as people of the world have to mourn. Because our hope is different. Our hope is fixed on something different. We know what the end is. We know it's different. We know that forever we will be with Jesus. He keeps us from the despair of suffering. That is the difference. That Jesus is master even over those that deny him and deny his work. Jesus is master over them. This is what this verse is telling us. And this verse is packed up with so much more. Even so much more is packed in here. And and we'll begin to hit on that next week. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to know the Lord. Please give me an opportunity. Come to my lunch. Come to lunch today at our home. There'll be a service after this. Go to the service. Come come over to our home for lunch. Let me sit with you. If you don't know the Lord, I will sit with you. You just got to tell me that you don't know the Lord or you don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, give me this opportunity to sit with you and explain it to you. I would gladly do do this. If you are online, uh, give me this opportunity to share with you. Send me an email to tour at drjamestour.org, tour at drjamestour.org, and I will will, uh, uh, respond to that, and we will set up a time to meet. And uh, uh, I've got a bunch of them lined up this week. And uh, uh, we'll get you in the schedule and I'll meet with you for an hour and I'll tell you about the gospel. Give me that opportunity. This is only for people who do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, meet me for lunch and I'll talk with you for a few minutes. But for people who don't know the Lord, we will have an hour together. Okay, let's pray.
Lord, thank you so much for this word and all you've provided for us in it. Lord, I pray, I pray for these young people that they would remember this when things come against them in life, that they will remember that everything that happens on this earth is under the authority of Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. Everything is under his authority. And Lord, I pray that you help them to see that the life of the prophet was hard. The life of the one who speaks your word will at times be very hard because of the testimony of your name. And Father, I pray that you would teach them to leap for joy on that very same day, the very same day that it comes against them, that they would leap for joy. Lord, your grace be there, I pray. And let Jesus Christ be glorified. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be your name. Amen.